from the singing of the Alleluia verse.
Good morning, everybody. It is great to be here with you in God's house today. Uh, and I have a question for you. Have any of you ever shopped at Kroger before? You guys shopped at Kroger? This is a box of unbranded, name brand cereal from Kroger. You guys see it? Delicious, happy, crunchy peanut butter. How much do you think these boxes cost? That's a little, a little expensive. What's this? No, it's, it's around $4, $5, depending if it's on sale. It can be a little bit expensive for Kroger. Now, what's cheaper than Kroger, though? Aldi. You guys ever been to Aldi before? Uh, it's amazing. You should try it. And so Aldi has cereal as well. Uh, these guys might, might run you around $2, $3, depending on the day. Uh, the price of Aldi are a little bit better. But I want you guys to imagine something else. What if Hamilton opened up a grocery store and everything was free and they never ran out of what do you think the people of Hamilton would do if a grocery store opened up where everything was free and they never ran out of food? What would the people do? Yes. Find more things. Yeah, miles long lines, everybody would be coming, right? That, that would be the only place that people would want to go because everything is free and they never run out of food. Well, you can imagine what the people were thinking in our gospel reading when they sat down to eat and Jesus used, was it five loaves of bread and two fish? And with that little bit of food, he fed 5,000 people. Imagine being one of those people realizing that this man who made infinite food to feed everybody and he gives it away for free. What, what would you be thinking if you were one of those people in that town? You just realize that this man, Jesus, is able to make food that never runs out. What would you be thinking? He's really nice. He's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so it would be a, a huge deal. Everybody would want to come to eat. Well, we have something even better than what Jesus did in feeding the 5,000. When Jesus was feeding the 5,000, he made food that would fill people for a few hours right here. Their stomachs would be full, they'd go home happily full. But Jesus was pointing forward to something much better. So remember that imaginary grocery store where everything is free and they never run out of food? Well, now imagine there is a store where everything is free, they never run out of food, and if you eat that food, you will never die. Can you imagine that? So imagine if you can eat this food and it gives you eternal life. What do you think would happen when people heard about that story all around the world? Your life would be years long, right? Yes, yes. They'd have to be in their cars. Oh my goodness, it would be on the news. Food that never runs out of screen and it gives you eternal life. Well, guess what? That food is about to be right up there. What do we eat and drink in the Lord's Supper? Bread. Bread, bread and wine, which is also Jesus' body and blood. And what does Jesus' body and blood give us? What's that? Good, good news? What's the good news that his body and blood give us? Purifies your spirit. That means that you're, that's right, it, it 
Jesus our sins. He gives us eternal life. You've been washed with Jesus' forgiveness already. You've been given that eternal life. And in the Lord's Supper, we are sustained in that eternal life. We're constantly receiving in the body and blood Jesus' forgiveness and eternal life. And you all have that to look forward to. This amazing place where it's free and it never runs out and it gives you eternal life. It's right there. It's real. We just can't see it yet. We can't understand it. But it's right there. And so you have that gift in your baptism and you can look forward to receiving it every week in the Lord's Supper as well. Let us pray. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us Jesus, the bread of life. Jesus, the bread of life. In his name we pray. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, I had the gummy for you, but they did not they didn't run out. We continue with the sermon in O Living Bread from Heaven on page 8 and 9.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Two kings throw dinner parties. One is smaller. One is larger. One is fancy with all the trimmings. One is simple, made more of an improvised picnic. One is at a palace and has expensive appetizers and main dishes and desserts and abundant wine. One is outside, and it's only fish and bread, and there's not even any lemons or tartar sauce from Frisch's. One party has a lot of trained servants scurrying around to serve the guests, and the other has 12 reluctant men distributing food to an overwhelming crowd. One is a birthday party for the king. One is done in the wake of a tragic death. Which king's dinner would you rather be a part of? The fancy dinner at the palace or the impromptu picnic outside? Herod Antipas, the son of Herod the Great, is throwing a birthday party for himself at the frontier fortress palace Macarius, overlooking the Dead Sea from the west. It is likely a raucous event with lots of important people gathered there to eat the king's food and drink the king's wine. And the king is likely to be having a very good time and getting a little drunk himself when his stepdaughter slash niece, Salome, comes out to dance. Her provocative dance so delights her tipsy stepfather, uncle, that he foolishly promises to give her whatever she wants. And Salome doesn't ask for a pony. She doesn't ask for a party. She doesn't ask for a palace. Salome is shrewd. She is the daughter of politicians. She's not going to waste her stepfather's overly generous promise, so she consults her mother, Herodias, and prompted by her mother, she says... Give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. Herodias sees an opportunity with Salome and she takes it. She hates John the Baptist. Who does that weird desert prophet think he is to tell the queen what she can do with her life? John is offensive. John has the audacity to tell Herod that it is not right for him to be married to his brother's wife. Who does that religious fanatic John think he is? Doesn't he know who Herodias is? She is rich and powerful. Doesn't John know that the rules for the little people don't apply to the rich and powerful? Herodias has had John arrested, and now she has a chance to be done with him for good. The dinner, a birthday celebration of Herod's life, takes a dark and dreadful turn with Salome's request. The king is now faced with a life-or-death decision. The boisterous, fun-filled party atmosphere evaporates. Now it's deadly silent. And all eyes are on Herod. Will he honor his oath and have a man killed? Or will he break his promise and find a way to wiggle out of a bad situation? 
Herod knows it's wrong to kill John. But he made an oath to Salome. This man, who is sleeping with his brother's wife, who's aroused by his stepdaughter's dancing, who generally doesn't care what others think, now chooses to stand on principle so the birthday party crowd won't think less of him. And Herod orders that John be beheaded. And now the somber mood really takes a dark, grisly turn as John the Baptist is killed and his head is brought to the king's birthday party on a platter at the palace fortress, Macarius, the voice of one crying in the wilderness is silenced. Oddly, Macarius means sword. And Jesus warned, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Dinner at Sword Palace seemed to have had the most promise to be a great time, but it ends with death brought to the party on a platter. Herodias scores a victory. Her enemy is dead, and John's blood is on Herod's head, who is now haunted by the killing. He believes that this teacher, Jesus, is John, risen from the dead. The other king's dinner begins in the shadow of John's death. Jesus hears about John being killed and he retreats by boat to the wilderness to have some time alone to grieve. Jesus retreats from the people, but the people do not retreat from Jesus. They see him leave in the boat and they follow him on shore and they're waiting for him when he lands. And it's a huge crowd of people needing healing. Jesus has compassion on them. His gut aches for them and he heals the sick and the lame. And it's a huge crowd and it takes a long time and now the sun is setting and bellies are growling with hunger. And the disciples have a practical solution. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to Jesus and said, This is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. I sympathize with the disciples. I like to be practical. When I travel with a group, I want to know where we're going to eat every meal. The disciples here have a good, common-sense solution to the problem. But Jesus is not about common sense. Jesus is king of creation, as he just demonstrated by healing a huge crowd. Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. And the disciples must just look at each other, hoping that one of them knows something that the others do not know. Apparently, Jesus wants to have a giant dinner here in this desolate place, a sort of big potluck, except only one person brought any food, and it's just five loaves of bread and two fish. That's not enough to serve Jesus and the disciples, let alone a crowd of thousands. Jesus just doesn't have common sense. 
Jesus asks for the food to be brought to him. He gives thanks, breaks the bread, and gives it to the disciples who give it to the crowds. Five loaves and two fish are now enough to feed 5,000 men plus women and children with abundant leftovers. This is a miraculous, impromptu dinner party outdoors in the wilderness with 12 reluctant disciples as the servers. It's an amazing event. But over this miraculous meal hangs the darkness of the news about John's gruesome execution for speaking the truth. Jesus provides in abundance, but he does not come to bring peace, but a sword. Jesus' ways are not our ways. The impromptu picnic dinner of fish and bread is a miraculous meal, and along with the afternoon of healing, it shows who King Jesus really is. Jesus is not just another prophet. Jesus is God in flesh, come to serve his people and give himself for them. Jesus does not act as one would expect. This king does not have a fancy palace fortress. This king is not waited on by a stable of servants. This king has the power of life and death, but he uses the power not to kill, but to heal and raise people from the dead. This king does not surround himself with the rich and powerful, but rather with broken sinners who know they need help, who know they need forgiveness. This king speaks the truth in love, and he calls the rich and powerful to repentance. But the rich and powerful do not believe the rules apply to them. And just as King Herod kills John the Baptist, Baptist, Herod's counterpart in Jerusalem, the governor Pontius Pilate, permits Jesus to be crucified for all to see. Who is Jesus? And what did he come to do? After this massive feeding of the people, some look to Jesus as some sort of bread king who will provide them with endless food. But Jesus doesn't come simply to meet practical wants and desires. Jesus is not the bread king. He's not the healing king. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In our day, there is a lot of push to want to learn how to be successful in life. For many churches, churches, if that is what the people want, that is what the people get. So instead of hearing sermons about sin and forgiveness and eternal life in Jesus, people at these churches learn about how to do better in this life to be more prosperous and more effective. And it is easy to become enchanted in this life with the ways of the rich and powerful. We see their lives and we think how amazing it would be to be part of their world. But then far too often, when we get a glimpse behind the veneer of wealth, we discover that many of the rich and powerful 
are evil, greedy, sexually immoral, hateful, and selfish. Like Herodias, having John's head brought to the party, the rich and powerful show how emptiness and evil often go along with money and power. This lesson is a good reminder that God's ways are not the world's ways. What the world thinks is important is not what God values. The fancy things of this world are not what life is all about. The fancy party at the palace is a dinner of death. A simple picnic in the wilderness with Jesus is a meal of healing and life and abundance hosted by the Lamb of God who is offering himself as the ultimate sacrifice. It's an easy temptation to expect something extraordinary and miraculous from God to prove who he is. But that's not God's promise. The promise is that your sins are forgiven by the blood of Jesus. The promise in the waters of baptism are that you are a beloved child of God. Jesus is not impressed by the rich and powerful. Jesus comes for sinners who need forgiveness. You have come this morning to hear Jesus' words of forgiveness. You've come to receive once again the gift of eternal life. You've come to be refreshed knowing that you are one with the creator of the universe through Jesus the Christ and the Holy Spirit. And you've come to be fed. It's not fancy. But Jesus has commanded the church, you give them something to eat. And so we will. We'll have a meal together. We will eat and drink the body and blood of Christ. Nothing fancy, but it is a meal of abundant blessing forever hosted by the King himself. It is Jesus' miraculous meal for you. Amen. And now may the peace of God, the peace that is beyond understanding, keep your hearts and minds in true faith until our Lord returns in glory. Amen. Please rise. As we as Christians and all Christians around the world confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, our Father, Father, and in and Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under the mouth of power, was crucified by the Holy Spirit, he descended into hell, the third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God, Father Almighty, from whence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian Church, Yeah.
through Selmire. Praise that he is doing well. Frank Sins, friend of Ruth Selmire, whose cancer has returned and has been put in hospice. Holly Hill, Mary Lynch Schwann's daughter, who is asking that positive results continue after extensive therapy for cancer. And Vicki Westfall, who had a heart attack while hospitalized for tests. Let us pray. In peace, let us praise the Lord. Lord have mercy. For the people of God, that in the steadfast love of their Lord, they may give thanks and have confidence that no danger, trouble, or hardship can separate them from the love of Christ. Let us praise the Lord. Lord have mercy. For all pastors and church workers, that the Lord will bless their service and bless all who are considering and preparing for church work. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. In gratitude for all God provides for our bodies and minds, that we might not covet or turn elsewhere for what comes from His hand alone, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For eyes to see the, the Lord's mercies anew every morning, and for grateful hearts to receive and share our Lord's riches, rich and daily grace with the need.
us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and grace. It is truly good, right, and salutary as we should at all times and in all places. Give thanks to you, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and everlasting God, for the countless blessings you so freely bestow on us and all creation. Above all, we give thanks for your boundless love shown to us when you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, into our flesh, and lay on him our sin, giving him to death that we might not die eternally. Because he is now risen from the dead and lives and reigns to all eternity, all who believe in will overcome sin and death and will rise again to new life. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying,
preserving the true faith of the light of the gospel. Go in peace. Your sins are forgiven. Now and forever.